Nope, hang on. It didn't. Huh. Let's do it again. Welcome to Dead Folks Tales, a New Orleans-centric podcast exploring Southern Gothic stories, history, and hauntings with your host, paranormal and fantasy author, Nola Nash. Find out more at nolanash.com. Now, let's talk about dead people. There we go now. We got the magic go live button to go. <laughs> Sometimes it just decides it's not going to do that. Welcome to the show, everybody. I am super excited to have Heather Graham on this show. Make sure that you are tuning in, commenting, uh, share this with anybody that you know that loves her books. And there are so many books to love. And we're going to talk specifically today, since this is Dead Folks Tales and we're talking about New Orleans themed things, we're going to talk about her New Orleans themed books. But there's so much more to know about Heather Graham. So, Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it is so truly a thrill to finally get to meet with you and to chat with you. Tell the folks a little bit about, about you, about your work, how you take your coffee, mm. whatever. <laughs> um, <clears throat> coffee, um, no, definitely no sugar. I grew up in, I grew up in the South with uh, tons of very sweet tea and realized at a young age that, you know, you must drink your tea and coffee without sugar or you will roll around the street. So <laughs> yeah. well, my mom was born in Ireland. So that definitely made, you know, tea a big staple in the house. So, um, let me see. Um, I have five kids. I find my kids, my grandkids, my family are like, I adore them. And we were just, you and I were just chatting mm -hmm. about the fact that I've got them in various different states, and so I miss them, three of them. I'm lucky enough to have two home, but I miss the three very much, and my grandchildren. Um, let me see what else. <laughs> I majored in theater arts. I worked in dinner theater, and oh, I, I you know what's funny here? I honestly don't know the title anymore. I was in the world's worst kung fu movie known to man. <laughs> um I did. That's did a claim to fame right there. <laughs> yeah, we made some good money on it because every time the hero did a flip, he lost his toupee. So, you know, had to keep us all on set. So we actually made some pretty good money <laughs> because of that. <clears throat> However, I don't remember the title. And, uh, all right. Your job when we're done here, <laughs> your job <laughs> is to figure out what the name of that movie is. So I can go and watch that because now oh, I want to envision the toupee flying off <laughs> because that's just hilarious. No, 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 no. I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping before it was before anybody saved any of that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. I've, I've, I'm grateful that I was, I was young in the, you know, pre-social media age. <laughs> so many reasons why that's a good thing. <laughs> oh, Yes. Um, oh my goodness. So I worked, I loved, I loved, and to this day, I adore theater. Oh, and at all our conventions, we usually put on like a mystery dinner theater and people can win Amazon gift cards and things like that. That's um, who nice. did it. So it will always be a love of mine. I'd love to go any city. I go to the uh, live shows that I can. And, um, you know, once, once you love it, you love it. You so. Do, yeah. Um, I was a theater kid. I was raised in community theater and I didn't major in it. I majored in English and history. Go figure with what I write. But I was always involved in theater. And then later on as a teacher, I was um, co-directing our school plays and musicals and living fun. vicariously yeah. through our students. Yeah. But, well, no, oh, you're exactly right. I mean, it's 
it gets you and it doesn't let you go. Oh yeah. But I mean, it's, and it's wonderful because, because you can always find it, mm-hmm. you know, there is, there is, um, we have, we have some great theaters down here. So definitely oh, yeah. you know, it's something that you get to keep up, but we also, um, we have something I am, I am the slush pile and slush pile came from, you know, a, a manuscript yeah. that's not asked for goes on the slush pile, uh-huh. but we're also considered, we are called the slush pile players, depending Charlene Harris has been a slush pile player and oh. uh, we get all kinds of people involved in, in doing things, Daniel Palmer. Um, and they're also, we have the slush pile band and David Morrell, who wrote the um, Rocky series, um, uh, has been in, in the band. Yeah, it's you would be. It is so much fun. Uh, I see Daniel Palmer got great harmonica, great guitar, great everything. It, it's amazing how many authors came from um, theater, which is a theater or music background, which is fun for me because also a lot of my friends. I feel like I'm asking them a lot more questions because <laughs> they're with law enforcement, they're with forensic mm-hmm. departments, you know, and it's like, yeah, actually you all know something really useful. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but then let's say when I had five kids, uh, that's when I started writing because uh, it was very expensive to go to work. I was not that, mm-hmm. you know, nobody found me on a, you know, <laughs> on an ice cream stool or anything. So no, <laughs> wasn't making enough money. Mm-hmm. And um, I did, I started writing and I always loved books. And I think of all the people I know, the people who are writing successfully, they started off by loving books. Mm-hmm. And um, to this day, people will say, Oh no, you can't mean that. It's they're your competition. And they're not. I never feel that they're way. Yeah. That I'm going to read because I don't want to read my own. <laughs> Good <laughs> no point. Um, no, it's just, it's the most wonderful to me. I think one of the luckiest things about it is it's just one of the most wonderful groups of people mm-hmm. because we all do want to help each other. And, you know, when someone says it's competition, it's like, I'm, I'm pretty prolific, but I can't write, you know, 800 to a thousand books a month. And that's what's right. published. So no, I want to help people. <laughs> if I Absolutely. Can. And everyone's story is different. Yeah. I, I never oh, feel yeah. like I'm competing with other authors. And mm-hmm. I feel like they are some of the most genuine and generous yes. people out there. I, I love the author community. I really, I really, truly do. Speaking of authors, we've got um, a wonderful author who's joined us. Laurie's here. And Laurie Grace, uh, it's never competition. There are always mm-hmm. room for more Absolutely. to soar and succeed. Absolutely. And that's something that I... I have always felt about the author community that we well, just cheer each other on so much. And now I don't know if it's only fiction because, um, again, yeah, I well, didn't, <laughs> I didn't major in anything that, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know about nonfiction writers, but I do know about my fiction people. We're good. We're good people. <laughs> oh, I, I belong to horror writers. I belong to mystery writers, romance writers, international thriller writers. And I love all of them. They're just, they're wonderful organizations. I love the people I've met through them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I mean, there's the other thing too, I think that's fun is like, who else? Your family, your family can be great. Um, but it's like, who do you complain to about a cover? Who would understand? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> you need that. You need to be able to vent yeah. to people, people who are going to understand. Because what do people assume that, you know, from writers 
as soon as we launch a book, we're going to quit our jobs, buy our yeah. private jet, and, you know, we're off to, you know, the multi coast. But, you know, that's, that's not how it works. And so you need those people who truly yeah. do understand the struggle, understand what you're putting into it every day, yeah. um, the passion that goes into it, because it's, it's more passion than anything God, I'm else. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> Grab you some water. <laughs> I'm well, I promise. <laughs> it's, and that's another thing we have to do now, right? It's, it's just allergies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> it's just allergies. I know. I've the same way. In fact, I've got my water over here because I was so afraid I was going to do this. I know. Thing. I forgot to bring water in here. That's yeah. <laughs> it's all right. If you need to take a, you know, run off, I can always talk amongst yeah. myself here. <laughs> I do for a sip of coffee. Oh, there you go. Always, always good. Coffee can cure just about anything. I'm convinced it's the coffee cure. I'm a it big works. believer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, you have an entire series of books and then you mentioned being very prolific and you are. Um, how many books do you have in total now? A lot. There's a lot. <laughs> there, there's a lot. I've, I've not counted. There's, there's so many guys. If you, if you want to read Heather Graham books, you can read Heather Graham books for a very long time before you run out and <laughs> she'll probably be writing some more and, you know, adding to your list as it, you go. It's at least 150. It's at least <sighs> my husband likes to say 200. I'm not sure. 150 <laughs> is tremendous. Yeah. I mean, talk about prolific. Well, but, but now I did start a while back. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just to be fair, um, this was not this year. <laughs> yeah, no. No, it's definitely a while ago. Um, okay, before, <laughs> it was a while ago. Um, but I, I'm very, very uh, grateful. Um, I got to grow up reading. Like I said, my my mother was born in Dublin. We were talking before. Mm -hmm. um, and when they came to the United States, she had like this stack of books, like amazing books. Wow. Uh, so I fell in love with history and then. Um, my dad was in Navy. He had all of these things on seafaring and, you know, just the whole bit. And they, they were wonderfully encouraging. You know, you were never like, oh, don't read that. That's not, you know, whatever mm. you wanted to read, they were um, encouraging. So I, I think that I, again, I just think that's the thing. Most of us who wind up writing fiction loved books mm -hmm. and, you know, to this day, it's the same thing. And I think partially another reason too, that I've managed to stay calm Many times with five kids, you know, when you're in that line, when you have to pick your kids up and you're car rider line, in a park yep. car with it, you always had a book with me. So mm -hmm. I would be, I would still be a cheerful parent. <laughs> you know, like, That's a good thing. You, you know, <laughs> a when difficult you thing to accomplish. Here, yeah. And your appointment's at three o'clock and he doesn't see you until four 30 or five. If you have a book, you're probably going to survive. You're in good and, shape. That's yeah. right. I'm that's not good. going if I can't take my book. Like that, that's yeah. sort of how it goes. And, you know, lately, you know, we we have more choices of, you know, whether we go or not and more time to to read or not. So it's it's kind of, I like the world that we're in now where we can say it's a telemedicine appointment, but I've set aside an hour because I'm used to traveling there and back. So mm -hmm. I got 30 minutes to read and then I'm going to log on and 30 minutes after, you know, it's, I, I like the doctor's appointments that kind of you sit in the waiting room. They're, oh, they're a little bit behind. No problem. After <laughs> it's yeah. fine. Yep, and then they move you in the little room, and you get to read some more. <laughs> yeah. Oh my! My wife, when my were little, though, I mean, I had a book. I always had a book stashed in the car. I had one in the kitchen. <laughs> you know, had, and somebody would say, "How can you read different books at the same time?" I could. Mm -hmm. I don't I know. Used I used to do I that. I didn't. 
you know, you picked up right, right where you were. Mm -hmm. but I, I did that more when I was younger. I don't know that I can do it as much now. I think I get a little too scatterbrained now. I don't now, think I but... try it as much now, but I, you know, yeah. now I'm, now, I, now I'm definitely not sitting in line waiting to pick somebody up. So maybe that's it. We just don't yeah, have the reason to do it too, anymore. Yeah. Kids are too old for that. <laughs> still, I still usually have one stuffed in a car somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, cause you never do know that's what's right. going to happen. But, um, but because of them, I think, I think one of the things I'm super grateful for is like I said, I belong to everything. Mm -hmm. um, I have covered my bases, but I love everything. Um, so I've written a vampire series. I've written, um, oh, and one of my favorite things I did was called Cafferty and Quinn, which is takes place in New Orleans. And mm -hmm. is, uh, it's about a, a curio shop where uh, the young woman who is going to wind up owning it had no idea what her father really did until he passed away. And then she got to find out what was really in the basement. <laughs> so um, that was a, that's I a love things series. Like yeah. So I've done historical, you know, like, and I've tried, I love history. So I try to make sure my, it's a, you're writing fiction, but I try to make sure all the history in it is good. Mm -hmm. and Thank you for saying that too. Cause that has been my mantra all along. Every book that I write has got fiction. If it's not set historically, mm -hmm. it, has elements of fiction, but you know, there's, yeah. there's something that requires the, the history to be correct. And I've always said, I don't want my readers to be distracted by inaccuracies in the history. Yeah. So the history is right first and then the fiction's kind of woven in. So I, I love that. Thank you for supporting that because that has always been my thing. pet peeve and they do it in the movies now and then. What? No witches were burned in the colonies. We hanged people. We hung them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They were no, hung. They burned witches. On a TV show recently, and it's like, no, uh, you lost me. The minute you did that, you lost me. Yeah, and you know they they you would think that they would know that the fans of that genre would know that. I mean, one would think. One would, one think. would think. One would think. But no, well, this was. I, I think this was some type of horror movie where. Uh, somebody who'd been burned to death at the stake had cursed him and was coming back, you know, so it was contemporary, but it's still like, it just, it just drives me crazy. There's mm -hmm. one other that drives me crazy is in the, <clears throat> one of our truly heroic seminal Indians uh, was a man named Osceola and he was taken under a flag of truce and he wound up in the hospital because he was very, very ill. And the doctor who was treating him, befriended him and really cared about him so this part i didn't really figure out we never i shouldn't say we whoever whatever, whatever <laughs> back then he was not executed he died of natural causes but the doctor did take his head to study <laughs> okay i really don't understand that what? and then they did a couple what? of other things i really don't understand like if his children were bad he would put the head on the bedpost to scare them the doctor would yeah so, and then, and then when he passed away, he left the head to his son-in-law because he thought maybe he would want to do the same thing. Apparently the son-in-law didn't, <laughs> the, the, but anyway, the there was a fire and the head was lost. Oh. And <clears throat> one of the problems with that is that many people have tried to figure out his exact ethnicity because Osceola was probably African-American, uh, you know, white, whatever that is, and uh, Native American. But they could never, you know, really put everything totally together. And they said, oh, if they'd only had his head, they could have. But 
you'll hear people talk about how he was executed. And it's like, no, he wasn't executed. He died of natural causes. So that oh kind of thing is just, just, I don't know. But what a story. I mean, and in this case, the true story is, it's, and often in history, <laughs> the, the true, true story is better. Bizarre. Yes. <laughs> the true yeah. story is really weird. And so it makes an even better story. I always kind of, I, that irritates me when people try to take history that's already really interesting and then turn it and, into something you, that's not yeah, even as good. Your things with that, like, why? It's already crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't need to do anything to it. And it's even crazier because that crazy thing is true. You yeah. know, I mean, there, there's something about that. The fact that that happened, mm -hmm. that someone did that and that it's true. That makes things creepier to me, even. Yes. And I think that's why I like using those kind of bizarre stories from history. The things that really happened. Yeah. yeah. You can't, there would be no way in a thousand years I could ever write something that's more bizarre than a lot of the truths that we discover, you know, when we're doing research. So mm -hmm. I love throwing those little gems in too. They're just, they're fun to find and you get so excited about it. And you may be the only one that notices some of these little things, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a lot of those in my books and I'm just like, Oh, that's, that's, that's an exciting detail. Oh, I, I know. I always feel like nobody's going to notice that. <laughs> And then, and then, of course, when you go to different conferences and writing classes, you get warned about the information dump. So you have to be, you know, careful and thread all this information that you feel people must know because it fascinates you. You, know, you have to thread <laughs> yeah. it in carefully. <laughs> yes. yes <laughs> they don't care about your research. They just want to know your process and what you're working on. <laughs> but I, I get geeked out about the history all the time because oh, I, I love too. that stuff. I don't care where you go. There's something, you know, mm -hmm. there's some wonderful little, and that's uh, another thing. I don't care where I go. I always take a, a history tour and a ghost tour. Yes. So you always get, um, I love those. Yeah. That that's mm -hmm. fascinating to me is always doing the ghost tours. And in fact, um, well, I did a ghost tour recently. I mean, in Franklin, right here where I live, you know, I've, I've started doing the tours like a tourist to, in places that I pass by and have passed by for the last 20 years that I just really didn't know the history. I know my South Louisiana, New Orleans history really well, but that's because I grew up with my parents going on those tours, doing mm -hmm. those things, mm -hmm. going to the museums, learning the stuff. And then here when you know, I moved here 20 years ago, had a, a baby, was married in a new place. I was not at that point in my life where I was exploring all that much. And so now that my kids are older, I feel like I've Getting kind of yeah. come full circle to where now it's like, okay, I have the time now. I'm going to go take this historic home tour um, by myself. I don't care. You know, I don't need anybody to go with me. I, I'm interested in that. I'm going to go do it. And so I do. And it's, it's wonderful yeah. to go and do that. And I'm doing it in my hometown. I'm more likely to do it when I go somewhere else, but to actually you know, be that tourist in, in your hometown, it's amazing what you discover too. I've learned so much that I've, I've been just literally walking by for two decades. Well, one of the things I think that that's uh, you never know what you're going to discover because Miami really doesn't have basements. I remember I was very upset with my dad um, at one point when everybody was building bomb shelters, because it's like, why won't you build a bomb shelter? And he was, because I really don't want you to drown. <laughs> so, um, but I did find out. And then people, 
scattered and extremely few people might have basements, but it's because they built up. Mm -hmm. So it's because the basement is really, you know, the foundation and they have built the the ground level up. But I found out one of our oldest hospitals actually has a basement because they turned their foundations into a basement at the same time everybody thought that they should have a bomb shelter. Oh, okay. (laughs) There actually is one. And I would have said, and I just found that out, you know, the same thing where you were saying about the things that you get to learn about, Mm -hmm. you know, where, where you live, though. I have to admit too. I mean, I've um, I have been in South Florida all my life. <laughs> Parents immigrated, met and married up in Chicago, moved south, and decided they liked heat. <laughs> so I've been down here since then. But um, the two of my favorite places in my state are Key West and Saint Augustine, oh, and of course great they're both places. Yeah, they've got they've got such rich history. That yes, it's, yeah, it's so much fun to find stuff out. I spent a day in Key West and I really, I could have spent weeks there. Yeah. It was just fantastic. I mean, we were kind of hopping through. I think we were actually, it was actually a cruise ship stop, I believe. Yeah. And it, it, well, I don't know if it is now. I know it has. <laughs> it was on that day. I guess that's what yeah. it was. And, you know, me and pirates, I had to tour the pirate museum because that's my thing. But <laughs> I love pirates. And it's so exciting. We have pirates. There. Yep. There was so much more stuff that I wanted to see, though, and I didn't have time to do it. So Key West is on my list to go back to St. Oh, you definitely have to go back. I mean, some of the architecture down there is absolutely beautiful and wonderful. Um, At one time, it was the richest city per capita in the United States because of the salvage. Um, And one of the most bizarre stories you will ever hear of happened down there. And any of your viewers can look it up. The gentleman involved called himself Count Von Cassel. And the young woman was Elena de Hoyos. I'll try to make it really, really quick. Uh, he, uh, he was born in Germany. He had a dream one time and his grandmother told him that the dream that he had of this beautiful dark haired woman meant she would be the love of his life. He married, he moved to Cuba and then came to the United States and his wife wound up in Zephyr Hills area while he was down in Key West. And then one day he's working in the hospital in walks this absolutely gorgeous um, young Latin girl, uh, Cuban, Elena de Hoyos. And he just thought that was it. However, she was married, but that didn't matter because when she was diagnosed with tuberculosis, he was out the door real quick. So Mm. uh, this older gentleman you have to look at the pictures because he was really pretty creepy looking and she was gorgeous 20 but um, he was madly in love with her i want oh i think i might know where the story i might know where the story is going you might know where it's going tell it tell it okay so i think i might be wrong but i think i'll bet you do he treats her but she has tuberculosis she eventually dies builds her this gorgeous mausoleum in the key west cemetery uh goes every day for two years brings flowers all kinds of things. And then all of a sudden he stops going. And then seven years later, someone is looking into a window on the airplane he's living in on the beach because one day he's going to fly to heaven. And they (laughs) see Elena de Hoyos preserved on his bed in a wedding gown. So, which of course, you know, when, when they come to take him, he keeps trying to tell the authorities it's okay. He did marry her. She might've been dead, but he married her. (laughs) So everything was okay. And this is what I think is probably the weirdest part is it was seven years. So it was after he could not be charged with the grave robbing or disturbing because there's a statute of limitations on it. 
he had not mm -hmm. killed her. So they weren't actually charging him. Uh, naturally, the family was pretty upset. They were very Catholic. Mm -hmm. and for this to have happened to her body was not a good thing. Um, oh, <laughs> there, there were rumors, too, that, oh, and he asked to keep her for a few days. And during those few days, he created this effigy of her. And there, one of the stories goes that, oh, he gave the effigy to the medical examiner and kept the real body. I don't think that part's true because even in Key West, <laughs> we have, yeah, yeah. you know, pretty good medical examiners. But the one that was funny that I thought, psychiatrist that he saw deemed him sane. And there were magazine articles across the country about the great romance. Um, they did not write at that time about the fact that he had preserved her, you know, with the piano wire, mortician's wax and things like that and made her his wife in every way. Um, oh. Yeah, they didn't write that kind of stuff back then. <laughs> mm -mm. But um, no. then he, he ran out of Key West. The beautiful mausoleum blew up, but nobody cared just so long as he got out of there. <laughs> so he left. He went up to Zephyr Hills where another weird thing happened. His wife did not move in with him, but she helped him. And so he got a home and... The story goes that he would sell his story for a quarter, you know, write his memoirs and sell his story. And that eventually mm -hmm. he was found in a coffin with the effigy of Elena de Hoyos. Or was it really Elena de Hoyos? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think you The only reason I know that story is because I, I taught eighth grade English. And one of the stories, short stories, I taught a landlady. And in mm -hmm. the landlady, she's embalming her guests oh, wow. and she keeps them on the third floor and mm -hmm. no one's allowed on the third floor. Mm -hmm. And when you're teaching eighth graders, then, you know, they're, but why did she keep these young men? Like she was real particular about the young men and she's this middle-aged woman. And it's like, um, <laughs> how, do I, how do I tell you mm -hmm. what the author did? <laughs> Like, mm -hmm. um, I'm your teacher, and I'm just going to have you ask your parents that question. <laughs> Why would a middle-aged mm -hmm. woman keep the very well-preserved bodies of handsome young men on her third <laughs> So, um. it, so we were drawing parallels between that story. And there's like, uh, there was a guy, I don't know if he's in the Ukraine, somewhere in Eastern Europe, that he made dolls out of dead bodies and kept them oh. all over his house. And it's so all these preserving of these bodies. So we had several of these stories that we were comparing because they were going, people don't do that. Like, this is so far-fetched. Like what was Roald Dahl thinking? And this is, first of all, Roald Dahl wrote that story, The Landlady, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory yep. Yep. and The Landlady <laughs> don't really yep. seem to go together, but great, great story, yeah. great writing, yeah. cliffhanger. Oh, love it. But they were like, no, real people don't do this. Like that, that's just so far-fetched. Like, really? No. <laughs> and so no. I started, I'd forgotten the man's name. I'd forgotten their names. He, I was so once you started getting into it, I was like, I'm, I'm blanking story. on his real name right now, which I can't believe. Oh, Carl. Oh God, I can't. But but if anybody wants to see more about it, if you look up Count von Cassell, C-O-S-E-L, or Elena E-L-E-N-A de Hoyos, H-O-Y-O-S. Um, it's, it's, it's truly bizarre reading, you know, um, but there's another, there was, and this, uh, this one's really tragic, a more recent one. Um, 
right at the year after Katrina, uh, a young man who was, you know, uh, lived in New Orleans, lived in the French Quarter, had lots of friends there, was known to be just a super nice guy, um, along with his girlfriend, who was a super nice, you know, young this girl. You know this one too. too. I know this one. Tell this one. Okay. You're a better storyteller so, than me. Tell this one. <laughs> he was horrible. He was sad. Dead. He jumped off the roof of the Omni Hotel. Mm -hmm. And when the police went into his pocket, they found his suicide note, which sent them to his apartment to find his girlfriend. And he had choked her to death and then spent about a week with the body, cut off her head. The police found it in a pot on the stove, mm -hmm. found her torso in the refrigerator, and um, various pieces about and no one could figure out what caused this man you know to do this now a lot of people believed that the ghosts of new orleans went crazy after the storm and were possessing people um i don't he'd been in iraq and then they stayed there during the storm so i have more of a tendency to believe the doctors who are talking about ptsd you oh, know sure. that this fellow finally just you know, cracked under all that he had seen and been through. So, but <clears throat> I still find it. Just horribly tragic. Her head was in a pot on the stove. I'm like, why? What, I mean, he hit that story. It, it is truly tragic. And, and they will tell you, they tell you that story on some of the tours and things as well. And it's, it is really really tragic what yeah. happened because Perfect. they actually they were well known both of them yeah. were very well known well known friendly quarter. people mm -hmm. liked them they tended to be really good to other people mm -hmm. um so just you know the whole thing is really strange yeah. really really strange and the ptsd and staying in yeah. in new orleans through katrina is the one thing that that seems to make sense and what a tragic well, it, it makes tragic it makes thing. sense to me yeah definitely definitely makes sense to me which mm -hmm. is funny because New Orleans and Key West remind me of each other in a bizarre way. They um, do. I can see that. I'm, yeah, I'm a I'm a diver, so but I have have not been compelled to dive in the Mississippi. So, like, please Key don't. West that might be the last time we see you. <laughs> <laughs> Key West has the water, which New Orleans doesn't. But they, yeah. but it's funny because they both have fabulous music. You know that you mm -hmm. can can find everywhere. They have absolutely fascinating history and incredible architecture um, yes they both had bodies once floated down duval street bodies once oh. floated down bourbon street yeah yes. from you know the, the storm history mm -hmm. that you have and they have um it's not it's uh, the key west cemetery actually has a lot of built-up tombs it would need um, to not the same not the same style of course mm -hmm. uh, um <clears throat> the from uh everything that i have read and, and been told too like the yes the cemeteries are cities of the dead in new orleans because of the water table but also because the spanish were uh mm -hmm. in control of the city at the time that uh, saint louis number one uh came into being when they started moving the bodies out of the french quarter you know into new mm -hmm. uh new things and um that was the spanish style of building at the time mm -hmm. so yep. it's uh makes sense they just yeah like i said they Key West has Duval and New Orleans has Bourbon. <laughs> you know, yep. so, and they they are fascinating cities. They yes, really are. Wonderful, and fascinating cities. I, I do hope to spend history. some more time in Key West because of of that. And it is one of those cities that just pulls you in. It is is beautiful. It is historical. It is friendly. 
there's great food. Oh, yeah. And I mean, there's so yes, many great reasons to go to, yeah. to Key West. And I do have to get back down there. And it's, it's, I always figured the Keys beautiful. are your reward for living in South Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can actually, that I can go with that. That, that makes perfect mm -hmm. sense to me. It makes perfect sense. Now, your series that is set in New Orleans, tell everyone the title of that. I It's not, the series is not set or the, all set in New Orleans. The they're called the crew K-R-E-W-E of hunters because they were founded in New Orleans. Actually, this last year, uh, every all the books, there's three that come out each year. And this last year, all of them take place in New Orleans with, you know, various uh, <clears throat> things. Now I can't remember my titles, of course. The last one's The Unknown. And then I think mm -hmm. there's The Unforgiven. And I can't remember the first one, but um, also anybody who wants to go to my website for holidays um, when I can, I do short stories and they're, oh, yes. they're available on Amazon for 99 cents because I can't figure out how to do them free. And then but they're <laughs> also, they're always, they go out to, to my mailing list and they're available on the website. So one of my favorite, I will have one coming out tomorrow, I believe, but one of my favorite, uh, that I've done is based on a family member and it's called Jack with a Lantern and uh, it's available up there. That was my Halloween story this year. And it takes Orleans too. So, Thanksgiving awesome. will take place in New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So great New Orleans stories. And we've got lots of folks who are joining us. Pam is here. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining us, Pam. Lots of friends tuning in, lots of fans of your work and I, I'm just a fan of you. I have thoroughly oh, enjoyed so just you sitting so here and getting to chat with you, tell stories with you. Oh. Um, it is, it's been truly my pleasure to have you oh, on Dead you're a doll. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank and thank you. And I want to thank Pam too for getting mm -hmm. us together. Yes. And yeah. I miss well, Pam. I haven't gotten to see her in a long time. <laughs> I know. Oh, I love that lady. I absolutely love that lady. I'm a huge fan of hers too. <laughs> Yeah, well, we have a strange history, too. I met her years and years ago having nothing to do with writing. <laughs> so, well, yeah. that is a strange history when it comes to Pam. She is all things books, all the time. Oh, yes, yes, and she her is. cats, yes, her is. fabulous cats. Gotta love that. Yes. Pam Stack, you know, our executive an producer, human she's an amazing Ooh. person. Yes. I mean, she really, she's a very giving person. And she she loves to connect authors and readers to authors. So we are very lucky as authors to have those advocates oh, yeah. for us out there in the world who, who are doing those great things. And I'm blessed to know many of them, uh, Pam Stack included in that. And I hope that we get to hang out at some of these festivals that are actually coming up conferences that are that are going to be happening let's hope that they're going to be happening i believe this. they are like i said i honest to god believe that we're we're going to move forward in 2022 and I um, so. you know, i'm really looking right. forward to it so yes. I, I again just i'm, I'm i love people mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, miss people. <laughs> I miss people and it's so funny too because i'm living with a a, a daughter and a three-year-old grandchild trying to get through all this and the son who just had surgery and the three-year-old she, she kind of breaks my heart because we had uber food delivered the other day and it was she was behind me and i didn't see her and she ran out to hug the lady who was luckily very very nice 
She just because you, we're not, you know, seeing enough yeah. people. <laughs> There's someone yeah. else. Yeah. She's going to be very much so a people person. Oh, <laughs> that is yeah. so cute, though. Yeah. Well, we've got to get all of this mess behind us so that our precious yeah. babies can go around. I and think hug we people. will. I believe we can we spread the love once yeah. more. Yep. And I hope that we connect at one of these conferences. Oh, I know we will. I know. We I will. would absolutely love to just sit down and have a drink Look with you and just continue to yeah. telling stories because this has been truly a joy it really really has and i'm, I'm so grateful that we had this time together oh, i really thank you am. so much yeah, I, I look forward to it a lot more because i think we've shared a lot of strange <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> well there's so much more to talk about with you and, and i you were welcome to come back on the show anytime oh, you. that you are free i would love to have you back and you've got such great stories to tell um, thank and you i know so that much. the viewers and listeners would love to see you back okay. too Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank well, you. tell everybody where they can find you on social media before we oh, wrap on, up. Um, let's see, on Facebook, I'm Heather Graham. I think I'm Heather Graham. <laughs> well, I'm also Heather Graham Possessory, which is my married name. Um, and uh, my website is theoriginalheathergram.com, which I was since the actress known mm -hmm. for, you know, as Roller Girl. Um, <laughs> sadly, as a few years younger. <laughs> so, <laughs> It was going to be sadly the original heathergram.com, but nobody would let me. So it's the original heathergram.com. That's great. Um, and uh, and like I said, there anybody who who wants to pick up a story, they are available on the website. Fantastic, fantastic. Thank you so much for Thank being you. here. Thank you for sparing yeah. a part of your holiday week. I hope that you and your family, even though it is not the Thanksgiving that that you had in mind, I hope that it is all things wonderful. What for is? You. I think there's a, a line from Darby O'Gill: "When I'm not with the one I love, I love the one I'm with." Yes. <laughs> so absolutely, we will love be that. we will be grateful for those who are who are able to be with us, and grateful that those who are not with us are doing okay. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, have a wonderful holiday week to you, you to your family, and to all of those that are tuning into Dead Folks Tales. Until next time, we will talk about some more dead people then. Okay. Dead Folks Tales is a copywritten podcast of authors on the air, Global Radio Network. Special thanks to producer Roman Surratton and executive producer Pam Stack. Join us next week for another episode of Dead Folks Tales. Mm-hmm.